Good morning, everybody, and welcome to J Squad Podcast, episode number one. My name is Jake, and I'm here with Jonathan Castro. How's it okay, going, everybody? Hey, Johnny, this is our very first try on something like this. I know we've talked about doing yeah. something like this for a long time. However, you know what? Due to the quarantine, we finally have a way to do it. We finally have time because I'm always working. Now you're always working. And yep. Are you as excited about this as I am? Yeah, I'm really excited. I always wanted to start a podcast with you. I mean, it's something we talked about for a really long time, but just never got the chance to, or the time to sit down and put our minds to it. So I'm glad that we're finally doing it. Yeah, and I know we've done other stuff before. Like, we've tried to do YouTube stuff before. I do my YouTube stuff. However, yeah. you know, we were busy back then. But now we have time because we were all too scared to go outside. But that's <laughs> yep. okay, because why would we need to go outside when all the video games and movies are inside? Very true. It's been a very <laughs> eventful month, like eventful couple of months for gaming and film. So, so how how long have you been? Have, well, you aren't you aren't technically quarantined yet because you are still working, correct? Yeah, okay. I technically am still working. I stayed home today because it's raining and I work outside and I don't want to get sick, so I stayed home. And my boss said that I'll probably have to stay home for a few days because oh, hey. that's just the way things are going. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, you have to do what you have to do, and your boss will get over it if he gets mad, you know? Yeah. But, okay, so let's dive into it. So I've been stuck in my apartment for probably two and a half weeks at this point, Oof. and that's given me quite a bit of time to uh, play some video games. Yeah. So the first thing I played, of course, of course my quarantine started on March 20th. Which is Animal Crossing and yes. Doom Eternal Day. That yep. was that was a very good coincidence. I appreciated that. Uh, that was uh, a big day. That was, that was a big day. Um, so I haven't actually gotten the chance to play much Animal Crossing. My girlfriend has been playing it nonstop, and she is absolutely obsessed with it. It is her lifeblood right now. But so while she was doing that, I took some time to play Doom Eternal, which I know you've played a little bit of. Yeah, but, I played uh, a little bit of it. I beat it, I think, in like two or three days. That was the most intense gaming experience I have ever had, Johnny. Like, Yeah, the <laughs> gameplay is phenomenal. Like, I'm not ev everything about it is designed to stress you out. The, yeah. From the music. So, I've got the, I think I've got the same headset as you. And you know how that yes. thing can blast that music oh, yeah. into your skull. And it's just an incredibly fast-paced sort of game where... Doom 2016 felt very realistic and grounded, <laughs> but Doom Eternal, to me, it feels it feels very much like a uh, a ballet. It's like a resource management sort of game because you're jumping from enemy to enemy, trying to because you know there's different things you could do. Like you can do the melee attacks to give you health, then you can use the chainsaw to get ammo. And mm -hmm. the entire time when I was going through each combat scenario, I was just constantly thinking, okay, I'm gonna. Melee this enemy, get some health. I'm going to jump over there, get some ammo, go over here, get some armor. And it's a constant, it's like a little loop of that, where you're constantly yeah. thinking about what you're going to get next. It's very resource, resource management in that sort of sense. Yeah, I really it, enjoyed it, that. It's a balancing game, basically. It's a very fluid-paced game, so you have to keep going no matter what. And if you stop a little bit, you do have the chance to die, because those enemies will mess you up. No matter, like, what difficulty you're really on. And that's what I... And, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. But that's what I loved about the game. 
is that it's constantly moving you forward. It's constantly forcing you to go forward. There's no time to stop. There's no time to go back. Um, you're constantly being forced to move forward. Otherwise, you, you will die. Mm-hmm. There you go. And then on, well, while playing the game, something that I really enjoyed was the, believe it or not, the lore. It actually has, like, a very good story this time around. I don't know, the story really intrigued me. I know not a lot of people are into the Doom storyline, but uh, this made me want to go back and learn about the Doom lore. Uh just from everything to like the hell to hell invading earth and how it started on mars and the uac and just everything it's so interesting and in depth it's more in depth than i ever thought and that's interesting that you bring that up because that's something i thought about as well while playing through the game i'm gonna be honest i did not get too much into the deep lore of the game uh but going through the game what i noticed was they take a much more grander approach to narrative this time the Doom Slayer has an actual character. He has yeah. interactions. He has a history with all these different characters that you're going around killing. Yeah. He he has a very, how do I say this? A, an epic sort of feel to him. Where in the first game, you didn't really get that sense of him. You understood that you know he was powerful. He could kill all these demons. However, there's such a grander sense that they bring to the overall game. Doom Eternal... The entire package feels like they took that original game, boosted it with steroids, and everything's just bigger and grander and bloodier. Um, but yeah, that I really didn't get into the lore too much, but from what I saw from the overall just a story that was there presented to me that I didn't have to go look for, it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the surface level story, yeah, it's, it's entertaining just by itself. Like, the Doom Slayer is just this badass this is gonna save earth basically mm-hmm. and nothing's gonna stop him and he just he just proves that to the point time after time after time in the game but what i, what nothing I also could kill. enjoyed about that game was how detailed they went in how you can interact with the enemies like the oh, yeah. way that you can tear up those enemies is the best i've ever seen in a game the amount of detail and focus in there when I'm shooting up, uh, what's it called? Uh, the spider-looking ones. Mm-hmm. When you shoot off their tail, it's, yeah. it adds such a sense of tactileness and realness to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just such a fun time. They added stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, it's very... They put a lot of attention and detail to... Uh, you probably heard the, the like um, finishing moves. Yeah. Each like limb or body part you could look at, and it does a different finisher. Yeah, there's different angles and such. Yeah, depending on how you go at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's it's crazy how they did that. I think I think it's a really big like developing accomplishment to have like as many different finishing moves as they do on each enemy, and there are a lot of enemies in the game. Oh yeah, there there there's a big variety of enemies in that game. And, you know, speaking of variety, Johnny, while I haven't played it. You've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing, if, if <laughs> yeah. I am, if I'm correct on that. So uh, tell, yes, me, tell, tell me a bit about your uh, Animal Crossing journey so far. So <laughs> I haven't been much, playing as much as I should have because I've seen people who racked up like over a hundred hours in the first week. Yeah, more, and that, that was crazy. My girlfriend is one of those. 
Yeah, but I've been playing. I've been playing uh, a good amount, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. You know, my first experience with Animal Crossing was back on the Nintendo DS with um, New Leaf, and since then I've just been kind of like waiting for a new game to come to the franchise. Mm-hmm. And with this, it's. I, I know I understand for like long-term Animal Crossing fans, it's a really big deal. There's so much new in this game, um, and it's not like it's still Animal Crossing at its core. But what I see like the fans appreciate more, and overall everybody really appreciates, is the little details that they added into it, mm-hmm. like the villagers' emotions and like the customization options and just everything in the game. You could. Once you get high, like high enough in into playing the game, you could pretty much make the ten whatever you want, and I think that's what Animal Crossing fans wanted, and I think Nintendo did a very good job at delivering this game. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, you know, I don't really have much experience with it. I've been, I do have a kind of a different perspective on Animal Crossing because so the way it works is so on a single Switch, you can only have one island, uh, as yes. I'm sure you know. And yes. so my girlfriend, she as soon as nine o'clock hit on that uh, on launch night, she jumped in there. She made her island. She made the game her own. So I was of course relegated to the second player, which isn't a problem. I don't mind. It's yeah. not a. I love Animal Crossing, but I'm not at a point in time or in the right mood to really sink my teeth into it. Um, so I didn't really mind. However, there are a lot of limitations that come with being the second player that I've uh, experienced so far. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those being is you're kind of tied to the progression of whoever the main character is. If your person, if the first, first player isn't very far in the game, you're not going to get very far, which I mean, it's fine. I understand that. Yeah. However, it really takes away that feeling of discovering things for yourself. The Animal Crossing yeah. seems to be all about as a second player, everything that I discover is already discovered and already available in the game because the first player already discovered that. So mm-hmm. there's really very little incentive for me to sink hundreds of hours into it because someone else has already done all that. They're already making the town their own, which is fine. I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't have a problem with that in the slightest um, from a uh, from that perspective. But it, I understand some other people will. It will disappoint a lot of people, especially during quarantine at the moment. So if you have a family of five kids and one Switch, and they're each taking turns, there's going to be a little bit of a problem with there. Yeah, but, very uh, true. Luckily, we don't have that problem. Yeah, so... I completely agree how, yeah, that that could be a problem. And yeah, I've experienced the two-player um, mode, and it's. Uh, I think that's where the game starts to lack, is its multiplayer. Yeah, the multiplayer, from what I've experienced, let's, I mean, it just seems to be incredibly bare bones, which mm-hmm. is generally the problem with Nintendo's online in general. That They're very yeah. bare bones about online. They're stuck in the Wii era of how yeah. online worked back then. I mean, they literally still have friend codes in order to do anything, which yeah. is something from the Wii era of online, which at the time was annoying. Now, it's barbaric. Yeah, that Nintendo is still keeping it's, that. To have to have like, you know, a friend code to have a friend on the general switch, 
and then have to add that friend on Animal Crossing, and then have to sometimes get a friend code from like the airport to go to the island. It's long and like gratuitous, and for what? Just to go to their islands and and not really be able to do much. Yet. I feel not like. really. You could pick up some fruits. You can't really do anything unless you're on their best friends list, which I am on your girlfriend's best friends uh, list. Ah, yes. Yeah, and I haven't, we haven't really gotten in, I haven't really visited much. Which she wants you to visit, she really does. Yeah, I, I've been <laughs> meaning to. <laughs> I've been okay, but let's see, okay, so have you been yeah. playing anything uh, Anything else other than Animal Crossing or Doom, or is that basically, uh, what have you been um, up to? Let's see. I also, I've also played uh, quite a bit, actually, of the Call, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare uh, Battle Royale. Warzone. Okay, how's Warzone, Warzone going yes. for you? It's I um I have been enjoying it a lot more ever since the solo mode came out. I know me and you played it at first and it was a little difficult for you at first because it, something wasn't working. Yeah, I still have not figured yeah. out how to get that to work, but <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah. And but that's I feel like that's something that you fix. But Ever since they added in the photo, the solo mode, I've been a more of a solo battle royale player anyway, mm-hmm. and it's like it's a much more intense experience. I feel not only like that. Oh, it's just you because you were able to do like the squads alone. You could just do mm-hmm. don't like choose don't fill, but knowing that everybody else is alone, it's like it adds a new level. Mm-hmm. And the sound design in that game is very good. Mm-hmm. It like especially with um our Razer Dari headphones. It just like it feels like you're in the environment, and it it it, it stresses you out. It's like <laughs> you never know who's gonna come around the corner and who you're gonna have to face. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, but I, yeah, the headphones they definitely add that sort of immersion. That sound design really adds a sense of immersion to battle royale, which is really important in a game like that because. That entire game hinges around you understanding your environment. You understanding what's going on around you. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed Warzone for what I played of it. But, you know, I really... I'm not a Battle Royale person. I'll play them every so often. Um, sometimes I'll really get in the mood for them. Like, I'll really be craving Fortnite. Or I'll be mm-hmm. craving PUBG or something like that. And yeah. then I'll play that for the three hours that I take to fill that need. But mm-hmm. other than that, I really never feel that desire. Cause I never, I understand there is progression, there's battle passes, but those that progression never really feels meaningful to me. Yeah. Um, but then again, that's just me. I'm not a battle royale person. Um, mm-hmm. But let's see. So earlier this week, I took a chance. I finally, uh, I finally platinum Spider-Man. Yeah. I finally platinum that game. I, yeah. I've been sitting at around an eighty percent um, trophy percentage for that game since it launched um but when i initially played the game i kind of messed up because one of the trophies in that game is 100 clearing each district um mm-hmm. clearing out all the gang activity all the random events that'll pop up um like police chases stuff like that so when i was first playing through the game story i did absolutely none of that i just went through the story and so when I was finally done, I had all this stuff to grind out. And a lot of this yeah. stuff, you have to wait for it to pop up. You have oh, yeah. to, so I'll be swinging for five minutes until one thing pops up. So it took me a good four hours to finally get that platinum 
um, just working on, I think it was two trophies I needed to work on. But I finally got it. So once I platinum that game, I was like, okay, now I'm kind of in the now I'm kind of in the mood to platinum something. I'm in the platinum <laughs> mood. So I started working on uh, Resident Evil 2. I did uh, another playthrough of that game. Oh my god, that's such a good game. That is such an amazing game, John. Have you ever played Resident Evil 2 Remake? No, I have not. Oh not man, yet. that's such a good game. Uh, so the way the game works is you have two initial characters you can play through the game as. Claire and Leon. Now, their playthroughs are generally the same, except there are certain sections throughout the game that are different. Leon has his certain things. Claire has her certain things. So the first time I played through the game, I played as Leon. Um, and then when I went back, I played it as Claire. I kind of remembered what I was doing for that Claire playthrough. And I think I beat the game in around four hours. It was a four okay. hours to beat that game. <laughs> but to get the Platinum, I'm going to have to beat the game on Claire and Leon's playthroughs on hardcore mode. Oof. I'm going to have to get all the collectibles. I'm going to have to do a run where I do not use any health items at all. I'm going to have to do a run that I only take 1,400... No, that doesn't sound right. There's a certain amount of steps you have to take, but that's the mm -hmm. maximum you could take. So I'm looking at another three to four playthroughs, at least, of that game. Mm -hmm. So Dang. I'm going to start on that shortly. But speaking of Resident Evil, let's move on to the news, Johnny. We've oh, got yeah. a little bit of gaming news. You know what? Since this is our first time, I decided to make this a small list because we're still catching on to how we're going to do things. But let's get into it. So okay. I'm going to move this first thing on the list to last because I want to talk about that last because probably what we'll have the most to say about. All right. But let's talk about Resident Evil 8 rumors. Johnny, I don't think okay. that you've been really following up on Resident Evil. At all. Are you a Resident Let me ask you this question. Are you a Resident Evil fan at all? Uh I'm a fan from what I've experienced with you. Back when we played Resident Evil 7, I believe. Oh, <laughs> yes. At your house in VR. And then la later I think I finished it on my own because I liked it a lot. Yeah, but when it comes to yeah, it was really good. Like, I, I enjoyed it a lot. And, uh, yeah, I just never really grew up knowing the Resident Evil games. Mm -hmm. But they've always, like, I've always, like, watched the movies. But the games just, I've never gotten into them. I, I, feel, I feel that. Because uh, I feel like Resident Evil, it's such a monumental gaming franchise. And mm -hmm. Resident Evil 7 was really that point where... Me and you, we both cause we both uh, played that game on launch. That was the point yeah. where Resident Evil really became something different for us. And yeah, that's why I've been so excited for Resident Evil 8. Now, I'm getting this particular story from biohazardcast.com. Mm. Um, they're a dedicated, looks like they're a Resident Evil website. So they were contacted by a source that I've gotten leaks from before. They've got leaks. So Resident Evil 8, over the last few weeks, the rumors and stuff have evolved a little bit. At first, we were getting rumors. We were getting a uh, Resident Evil Revelations 3. That was the rumor at the time. Turns mm -hmm. out Resident Evil Revelations 3 was a real thing at the time. However, it was so well-received that they decided, hey, you know what? Let's turn this into Resident Evil 8. 
So according to this rumor, now if this rumor is to be believed, and you know what, take it with a grain of rice because you never know with these things, but this one seems to be a uh, generally highly plausible sort of thing. Uh, Resident Evil 8 is going to be called Resident Evil Village, you know, where you can have VII in there for 8 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so it's apparently going to be a continuation of 7 with that same sort of first-person formatting. And it's going to take place, you know, in a village. It's going to have a lot more occult stuff. It's going to have a lot more, like, you know how uh, Resident Evil 2. Do you know about Mr. X? Uh, no, I do not. So there's a, so in Resident Evil, it's a big thing where there's this giant villain chasing you down throughout the game. Where they just follow you. And terrify you. So apparently, we're going to be looking at a witch here. Oh, okay. So I'm really excited for this because I've become a really big Resident Evil fan since Resident Evil 7. Resident Evil 7 really kicked me into gear with that. And then Resident Evil 2 came out. I adored that game. That's probably one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, Resident Evil 3, I haven't played yet. I'm very much looking forward to it. But we'll see when I get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Okay, so let's see. Okay, so I finally found the rundown I was looking for. So according to biohazardcast.com, mm-hmm. um, the rumor is that the game has been strapped and development started over is wrong. So I guess it was a rumor that Resident Evil 8 was scrapped and they restarted the entire thing. Mm. So we're looking at, if rumors are to be believed, we're looking at a 2021 release. And that's going to be ridiculous because we just got Resident Evil 3 last week. And they're looking at a spring release for this game. Which is, that's a a year difference. Like, it was ridiculous the uh, time from Resident Evil 2 to Resident Evil 3. That was a year. A little Mm -hmm. bit less than a year, I think. And now we're looking at Resident Evil 8 in a year. Seems like really things are really kicking up for the Resident Evil franchise, which I uh, adore. But now my main problem is if they annualize this franchise, it's gonna get stale. So what they need to do is, and it sounds like they're doing it here. They need to make sure that this game is different from the remakes because the remakes have a certain style about them. So yeah. what I'm hoping for is they're gonna follow that Resident Evil Seven sort of thing, where mm-hmm. it's very first person. It's very yeah. much more horror-focused. Like, Resident Evil 7 is a terrifying game. Yeah, definitely. Resident Evil 2 Remake really wasn't, but Resident Evil 7 was terrifying, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I really hope they're going for. And that's something we're going to play, no doubt yeah, about it. I know. Yep. Um, now, moving on to number two. So, I'm sure if anyone's following gaming at all, Everyone knows The Last of Us 2 has been delayed indefinitely. And now, that is a big hit for us because, you know, Resident Last of Us 2, uh, that's that's like the second coming for us. Yeah, because Last of Us was such a big game for us. Oh, my God. Me and you are long PlayStation users. And The Last of Us, we just adored that game to death. Uh, I remember... So my favorite memory of The Last of Us. We were, I think we were playing it. It was, uh, we were having a, we were, I was staying over at your house or something. And mm-hmm. we were going to do the entire playthrough in one night. We rented the game from Redbox. We we're going to do the entire yep. playthrough in one night. And mm-hmm. then we glitched out and lost like four hours of progress. Yeah, and I remember that. tossed that because that was ridiculous. But anyways, Last of Us 2 has been delayed. 
Now, that's not... So, from what I'm hearing and reading is that Last of Us 2 was not delayed due to developmental problems. The game is basically done, according to uh, people on the team. It's mainly being delayed for logistical and economical reasons, which make a lot of sense because right now, due to the uh, state of the world, getting discs made for a game and getting them shipped is the least of our worries. That's like literally the last thing we need to worry about. Yeah. So it's perfectly natural for this game to be delayed for those reasons. And I honestly expect a lot more games to be delayed for this reason. Like, The Last of Us 2 will not be the last one. Because that's just how the world is right now. And it's not only The Last of Us 2 that was delayed. It was Iron Man VR as well, which is something I was looking forward to. I was looking forward to that one. Uh, I know there wasn't much... There hasn't been much gameplay, and I don't have very much hope for the game being good, but it's still something I'm interested in. Um, now, past them being delayed, they've also been removed from the PlayStation Store entirely. So, any pre-orders, I believe they're doing refunds for those at the moment. So, we might be looking at a pretty big delay. Yeah. If they're taking it down from the PlayStation Store, I could see them pushing it to uh, Last of Us 2 to be a launch title for the PS5. Yeah. Now, do you think? Do you think if they get like enough that they'll just release it digitally? So that's the big thing. That's the big thing. Yeah. Everyone's been, hey, just release it digitally. Just yeah. release it digitally. There's so much more that goes into that than just, hey, we're gonna release it digitally. Oh yeah. Um, because they've got they've got quotas to fill for things they've ordered. They're going to piss off Walmart because now Walmart doesn't have the game. They won't get the game till six months after it's already been released to everybody. Why would Walmart want to stock a game that's six months old that they, everyone's already played on uh, on digital? Very true. It's just, well, I feel there is a point. There is a point of time if these things do not get better if things do not improve, there's a point where that might happen. However, if that happens, that would be a very big moment in the video games industry, in the way we distribute things. Because if The Last of Us 2, which is undoubtedly a triple... The, 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 the definition of a triple-A title. Like, everyone's going to be playing this game, Johnny. Mm-hmm. And if they release this game digitally it will have such big ramifications on, okay, so, you know, Last I Last of Us 2 released digitally, why don't we release Cyberpunk digitally? Why do mm-hmm. we need a disc? If people Fish. if people are buying it, why do they need to do this? And that's going to have such big ramifications that I don't think that we're ready for, that I, the industries are not ready for. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. There might be a point where they might do that, but I don't think that point is anytime soon. I mean, I could be wrong. You never know with Sony. Mm-hmm. But I don't think at the moment that we're ready for that. But then again, we're going to go into something a little bit later that kind of defeats our whole purpose. Mm. So, speaking of VR, I'm going to bring something up that's not on this mm-hmm. that I noticed, but is still a huge milestone in gaming. Okay. Um, I know Half-Life Alex mm-hmm. came out. Yes. 
Now, uh, I to talk to you about Half-Life Alex before it's released. You know how yeah. excited I've been for it. Yes. And that... So, what have you been... I've, honestly, I've been trying to avoid as much of Half-Life Alex as possible. Because I know one day I will get that VR system so we can play that. However, yes. at the moment, that's a little bit out of our reach. So, what are your thoughts on this? I'm just, like, from what I've seen, it honestly looks breathtaking. Mm-hmm. And... Like, I've been I've just been watching some gameplay because I'm I, I don't have a VR headset and I'm not able to play it. But like, I'm just excited. Like, I I want to play it so bad. I've never wanted to play like a VR game so much than this game. Mm-hmm. Because I've heard things like it's setting the bar for virtual reality gaming. And that's like, that that's what I love about Half Life Alex. It's making people want to try VR. I mean, you mm-hmm. know me, I adopted the PlayStation VR very early on in its yeah. release. And yes. I haven't played that much, but I adore that. Um, mm-hmm. The reason I don't play it as much anymore is because it's incredibly limited in what it can do. Not That's not any knock towards it. It just is what it is to the hardware it's tied to. But the more... Over the last year, there have been so many games in VR that are pushing things. There's been Boneworks. There's been uh, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners that really go into what VR should be. Is this mm-hmm. tactile? It, they really focus on touching things, on interacting with things, physics. And mm-hmm. Half-Life Alex, that really seems to be the cornerstone of what they were going for in designing this game, is everything I've seen, you can move everything. Everything has a physics engine or mm-hmm. takes advantage of that physics engine everything has a way it moves if it falls and it looks it looks fantastic to me i cannot wait to play that yeah i'm excited okay so we're gonna be moving on something else we're excited for another blast from the past saints row 3 remastered was announced <laughs> now it's been a few weeks uh there were a few leaks a few weeks ago where hey saints row 3 is getting a remaster Saints Row 3, but there was no, no official announcement. However, we finally got a trailer for it. And I remember this was one of the games that uh, me and you would play every so yeah. often. We, yeah. This was a fun game for us. It but, was. But what really what really gets to me with this is on Twitter, a little bit after this trailer was posted, the uh, developers, they said, and a new Saints Row is being made by the regular team. Yes. So we just got a very nonchalant, hey, a new Saints Row game is coming. It's going to be here. It's more than likely going to be a PlayStation 5 title at mm. this point if they're barely just saying, hey, you know what, it's coming. And yeah. they don't have an official announcement for it. I assume it's going to be a 2021 game. Mm-hmm. But that's exciting because Saints Row is a very big franchise. It's a franchise yeah. that has grown with the uh, with gaming. And yeah. Saints Row 4, was that, what was Saints Row 4? Was that a PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4 title? Uh, I think it was... I feel I, like... I think it was both. I think that was one of those titles that was on both systems was for a little bit. It was on both? I might be wrong. Okay, so it was on both. You are correct. But that mm. means that this generation has not gotten a dedicated Saints Row game. Very true. Uh, which is and, kind of surprising to me because that is a very big franchise. I know they tried to do uh, Agents of Mayhem. Yeah. Which they've didn't... just been, been off games pretty much. Yeah, they didn't. that didn't come across too well. But it's exciting to be finally getting a new Saints Row game. Uh, so yeah. I mean, that's definitely something we'll be checking out. Like, Yeah, like Saints Row isn't the biggest franchise out there. 
but they're like like i said like you and me and we have good memories in that game mm -hmm. and like i played saints all the other saints row games growing up and which you really shouldn't <laughs> do growing up but you know gaming mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah i just have really good memories of all the saints row games as well as grand theft auto you know they they usually go hand in hand it's saints row is usually described as the more funny wacky grand theft auto yeah i feel that those two games have a very big parallel well grand theft auto is very much grounded in realism and a little bit of absurdism that's but it's still a grounded sort of absurdism yeah. um, while saints row is kind of on a different track where you know there's aliens there's you're smacking people around with giant purple dildos. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just yep. a very different game in the sense of its tone. However, structurally, they're very similar. Yeah. Well, hopefully hopefully we get to that sometime uh, within the next year or so. But let's yeah. move on. Disco Elysium is coming to Nintendo Switch. Johnny, I don't even know if you know what a Disco Elysium is. You know what Disco Elysium is? I've seen a couple of screenshots, and I can tell you I have no clue what it is. So this is a game I am very excited for. Um, I mean, I could honest, I could play it right now. I could hang up this call and start playing Disco Elysium on my PC, but it coming to the Switch, and it's also coming to PS4 and Xbox One, but we've already known that for a little while. The Switch version was barely announced. And I love playing indie games on my Switch. Like, that's the majority of what I play on the Switch is indie games. I could go, I could probably go onto my Steam account right now and I'll see a ton of indie games. And I'd rather wait for a Switch release for those. <laughs> because there's just something, there's just the a different Switch vibe about it. it. There's made for it. You can yeah. just take it over to the couch real quick, just play it on the couch. It's such a great experience doing that. Um, but I'm very excited for Disco Elysium. It was one of the better, one of the best games of 2019 um, for its narrative and such like that. Uh, I cannot wait to play it. Um, I'll probably get it. I'll probably hand it over to you at one point so you can try it out because it just looks so fascinating. Look at its art style. Search it up real quick. It has this very surreal, very artistic art style that looks it just looks fantastic like yeah. everything about it looks like they had a vision and they went for it yeah it's very yeah it's very in detail in depth like just from the screenshots i could looking i could tell that like it's a very in-depth world and the developers worked really hard in detail so hopefully we'll get that sometime soon i don't know yeah. if there was the least date on that but we'll see about that um, anyway, speaking of stuff I'm waiting a long time for, um, we're looking at Stadia right now. So Stadia Pro is now available for free for two months to the, everybody. Anyone who has a Google account can go in and say, hey, you know, I want to try Stadia Pro. Now, there's a little bit of a confusion. A lot of people conflate Stadia and Stadia Pro. Uh, now, let me just do this. Stadia, it's Google's streaming service for games. Stadia Pro is kind of like the PlayStation Plus of that. So you pay for Stadia Pro, and then you get games, you get perks. Now, until this point, the only way to use Stadia in general 
was to pay for Stadia Pro because it's technically you could say it's in a early access sort of state. So I believe after this two months, I believe that it, the uh, regular Stadia is just going to be available. I'm not quite sure. I got an email from YouTube a week or so ago saying, hey, everyone who has YouTube Premium will get three months of Stadia Pro. So I was like, hey, let's try it out. So I went into it. And have you have you looked at Stadia at all, Johnny? Uh, not since it's very <laughs> underwhelming release. <laughs> so I actually had pre-ordered the 110 whatever thing for Stadia. I had pre-ordered <laughs> that. Yeah, I remember. And I quickly canceled it around two weeks before launch because everything was going wrong. Everything was going wrong. Um, but so I decided to finally jump into Stadia. And it's still as big of a disappointment as it was <laughs> on launch. Like, if you look at the games available to buy, there's just about nothing on there. There, Everything's older games. Everything is stuff you've already played some of this stuff yeah like there's tomb raider tomb raider oh, yeah. 2 tomb raider 3 all those games are games i've already played mm. years ago like let's i'm jumping into stadia right now let's look at the store let's see what the top things are in the store so we got red dead redemption 2 2018 mm. game and that that's a highlighted game it's red dead redemption 2 on the very top yeah um, then we got the stadia pro games which are not any better um, and then looks like the newest game they have would be Doom Eternal. Mm. That is, yeah. And then after that, it's uh, huh. we got the Crew Two, which is an old game, the Division Two, which isn't that old, but it's still an older game. I got that game for three bucks. What was it? Three bucks, and now they're charging a full sixty dollar on Stadia. Oh Jesus. It's just not a good look. Um, yeah. I feel like Google really dropped the ball on trying to launch it when they did. If they had brought it out at the end of this year with games, we might be having a whole different story with Stadia. But everything I've heard about Stadia really puts me off of it. Uh, yeah. I tried using it. I tried using the actual service, and I didn't have a good time with it. It was incredibly uh, slow. It was pixelated. That's probably my internet. My internet probably isn't good enough for Stadia. Mm -hmm. but, but that's the thing with internet streaming. Not everyone has good enough internet yeah. to play to stream video games directly from the cloud to their device. It requires a, a lot of like internet speed and bandwidth connection to do that. And I just don't think the average consumer has that. And I think that's why it flopped. That and the lack of, the lack of variety. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm tired of talking about Stadia. Stadia is absolutely <laughs> out of my wheelhouse. So let's talk about our final video game news story. Uh, we got the DualSense reveal. Sony oh. has been absolutely ridiculous with how they've been announcing the PS5 stuff. Yep. They. I woke. I woke up. And there was absolutely no news about anything. I always, every every morning I wake up and I check Reddit or Twitter. I'm like, hey, what's going on? What just happened? So I read nothing until it was around noon or 1 p.m. I look at my phone and the entire internet is on fire because Sony has just dropped on their PlayStation blog the 
pictures of the new PS5 controller. I was ridiculous. Yeah. I know you sent me the the link on Facebook and I looked at it and like I was just I didn't even know what to say. I was just like out of nowhere like they just dropped the controller. Which I mean and I know we got we got specs on the console, I believe a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of didn't people uh, people didn't understand that one because it was very you that know, was a very tech- in-depth and technical sort of yeah. thing going on right there. I myself I understood probably 10% of that. That was Yeah. way past my wheelhouse. Yeah. But it, uh, it basically just talked about how they're going to be using SSD hard hard SSD drives now mm-hmm. instead of spinning fan drives and the benefits of that to the console. <laughs> But so anyways, looking at this controller, this controller is a very big departure from what we're used to. Because what we've been used to, Sony, with the PlayStation 1, they put out a controller. And it's been the same exact controller for four generations with just a few changes. Like, we've gotten dual analog sticks. Mm -hmm. We've gotten light bars. We've gotten touchpads. But in general, that design is the same throughout the entire catalog of playstation consoles and now with the playstation 5 i really feel that they're sending a message to us with the way they've designed this controller and the way they're marketing this controller because what instead of calling it the dualshock 5 to follow up the dualshock 4 from the playstation 4 they've come out with the dual sense and that really speaks to me because the innards of this controller are designed like you've got adaptive triggers which are there to make you feel like you're actually interacting with whatever you are supposed to be simulating with that button press you've mm-hmm. got haptic feedback which is supposed to simulate different actions going on yep. yep this speaks to me so much that sony is trying to push the boundaries in a way that will help them win this generation because mm-hmm. Xbox, they seem like they're going very much, you know, we're just going to make this as powerful as we can. Like, we're going for power. We're going to be the most powerful console. Sony, they look like they're going for innovation. They're going a more Nintendo route where, mm-hmm. sure, they're going to have that power. But they also want to make something unique. Mm-hmm. And the DualSense really spoke to me a lot about that. Because, I mean, if you're going to change up the naming conventions of your controller, you have to have a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm holding the, the DualShock 4 right now, and looking at the side-by-side comparison, it's actually a lot different than... It is It is incredibly different from yeah. the... So the top is completely design. rounded off. Now As it's we were only talking about 4, it reminds yeah. me so much of that... Uh, prototype boomerang controller for the playstation 3 there must be so much of that it does and i think i i i wouldn't i really wouldn't be surprised if that's what like the design they went off with for this one it's just that this one they made it look like a controller and not like a boomerang so let me ask you something like this do you think that this sort of announcement is what sony's going to be relying on in the future or do you think that they're going to really unveil the PlayStation 5 with something like, you know, their state of plays they've been doing. Do you think they're going to dedicate a state of play specifically for that? Or do you think that they're going to be going on this route of slowly giving us information just on a random weekday? 
I think. Because at I this point, that... it would be pretty much impossible and very irresponsible to try to do what they did for the PlayStation 4 and make this big blowout event mm-hmm. um, like they did with PlayStation 4. So they can't have this big convention like they did for that. So what do mm-hmm. you think they're going to... What do you think their plan is? I think with the way that the, the state of the world is now, that they're going to keep trickling out inform- like small little bits. Like this controller was a big bit of information. Like it's it's a considered new final design. It that's that's insane. Um but what I think is that they're going to keep trickling out little bits of information like th- this and it's going to lead up to something like a Nintendo Direct. Okay. Or like so, so you yes. think we're going to go the the uh, state of play Nintendo Direct sort of route for that. Mhm. Because I don't think Sony wants to slow down the release of this console any much more than they already have to. So from everything, going with that, from everything I've been reading and hearing is that Sony has absolutely no intention of doing that. Yeah. The only roadblocks so far seem to be software-wise. They're not sure software will be ready by the time Mm. the launch comes around. They have every intention of having this console ready for release, but software might be a little bit behind. Um, so we might be looking at a very, we might be looking at a very bare bones launch, if we still launch in uh, holiday 2020. But I think that also might be, I just got a little bit of a light bulb moment. That might be a good reason for why they're pushing The Last of Us too, mm-hmm. because if their PS5 launch titles are not ready by that launch, they have to have something. Yeah. And they need a big blowout game. Last of Us 2 is that big blowout game. They Sure, mm-hmm. they could always do that with Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima is supposed to be relaunching in, what, July? They could push mm-hmm. that back to the PlayStation 5. But Ghost of Tsushima is not that big title. It doesn't have that brand recognition. It has Sucker Punch games. The guys behind uh, Infamous, they're making that game. However, mm-hmm. the general public does not know who Sucker Punch are. They hear The Last of Us, and yeah, that is... They know. that They know, because The Last of Us is really one of those tentpole games. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what's going on in PlayStation's mind at the moment. But yeah. speaking of delays and changes, let's move over to some film news, because we spent a lot of time on the video game stuff. I had a yeah. blast talking about that, but let's yeah, move over to some movie stuff. All right. Okay, so first things first. Artemis Fowl has gone from a theatrical release to Disney Plus. We still do not have a release date for it for Disney Plus, but that is such a big move. Yeah, and I feel like this is the move that Disney's Disney's going to be doing with their releases for the time being, at least, because they did it. Well, they didn't do it with Onward. They released Onward in theaters, I believe, mm-hmm. and then this whole thing happened. And then they decided to put it on Disney+. Plus. So Onward was a really weird situation because it released, I think, the week before everything hit the fan. Yeah. It was in their theaters for like a week. And that really hit its uh, its financials. It hit its earnings in such a way that forced Disney to put it out digitally and then Disney+. Plus. Um, speaking to your to your uh, comment about you thinking this is how Disney's going to go forward with their big releases... I really don't 
think that's what they want to do. Artemis Fowl, I always felt like that would be a better fit for Disney+. Plus. I remember who <laughs> I was. I was talking to somebody about this a few weeks ago. And I was telling them, I was like, hey, you know what? If this coronavirus gets any worse, movies are going to have to start changing. Mm-hmm. And they're eventually going to start going digital. But they don't want to put their big tentpole movies on digital because that's so much money lost. Mm-hmm. That's so much money lost. But Artemis Fowl, that's such a smaller film. Um, it's has such a smaller audience. This is a movie that's going to target that young adult crowd, yeah. that 13, 14, 15-year-old crowd. And I feel it's going to do so much better on Disney Plus for that. Now, looking at like Mulan, Mulan would probably be the next one to Disney Plus. However, I really don't feel like that's something Disney wants to do. Mulan is going to be their big temple. Like Lion King made over a billion. Aladdin makes over a billion. Mulan is going to make over or was before this all happened. There was no doubt in my mind that Milan would make a billion at the box office. Now it is coming out in August, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think so. it's coming out in August. No? It's not. I mean, mm-hmm. it is, it, it's coming out in August. Oh, it's, well. It's scheduled well, yeah. for August. Schedule. But I don't think it's coming out in August. Mm. Because if this thing does not go away by... June, early June. I don't think people are going to be comfortable enough to really go to the theater like that by August. Yeah, very true. And I do not see this thing going away until at least June, July. This thing is not going to be... uh, Everyone saying, oh, we just have to wait till May 1st, then we can get out of quarantine. (laughs) I don't think that this is going to happen. Um, You have to give me just a moment... Johnny, I'm going to pause. Okay, back from that. Let's move on. Something we've already kind of talked about. Disney and Marvel movie delays. So Disney has basically delayed their entire slate. I mean, they've kind of had to. So Mm -hmm. let's look at... So right now I'm looking at CNET... um, Joan E. Salzman wrote, Disney mm-hmm. delays Black Widow and rest of its Marvel movies, Milan, and others. So let's yeah. look at the Marvel movies. So originally, Black, uh, Black Widow, that was supposed to come out in what, May? Uh, May, correct? Yeah, May 29th. Was, uh, yeah. That is now a November film. And that pushes Eternals, uh, the Eternals, to February 12th. February 12th. Which then pushes Sang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings to May seventh, and then of course it just keeps going on. Doctor Strange. On Doctor Strange is now November twenty twenty one, then Thor: Love and Thunder is now February eighteenth twenty twenty. Which is this is this is disappointing news for you and me because we're long long running Marvel mm-hmm. fans. We have this thing where we go to every release together. Yes, which I'm excited to start up again. I yes, really am. I've missed I have missed that, Johnny. You have no yeah. idea how much I missed it. Yeah, you coming down from Fresno for releases. Yeah. <laughs> that was too much. <laughs> Johnny, that Which... was that was Avengers Endgame. That was yeah. not too much. There is no <laughs> way that I was gonna miss Avengers Endgame. There is no way. Very true. Yeah. But these delays, I feel like they're very 
They're very disappointing because we started, we ended 2020 and we started off, I mean, we ended 2019 and started off 2020 with a bunch of Marvel news. Mm-hmm. Like since Endgame ended, we just, we got, we have gotten a whole list of releases for like, there were like a lot of them were supposed to come out this year and now are pushed back. Mm-hmm. But I mean, honestly, they are very necessary delays Yeah, because Black Widow, see Mulan, I could see being pushed to digital platforms for purchase Mm -hmm. and then disney plus a month later yeah black widow i do not see that being put digitally first at all no unless things get really desperate and we are still in quarantine by august i don't see that happening Mm -hmm. because as everyone knows marvel movies are the movies if no yes. one goes to a movie all year, they're going to see whatever Marvel movie is out because yeah. either their boyfriends are bringing them out, their brothers are bringing them out, their sons, their friends. Mm-hmm. It's a big event. Marvel yeah. movies have become a very big event, not only in the film industry, but just in pop culture in general. It, mm-hmm. These things have... Uh, you would never have been able to tell me that a Black Widow movie would be such a big deal as it is 10 years ago. Like it's become just such a part of culture in general. Like everyone understands what a Marvel movie is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like before, like I said, before 2008's release of Iron Man, basically the comic book world was just reduced strictly to comic book lovers. Mm -hmm. And well, and like people, I don't know who there had, there has been like, um, superhero movies before, but none measure up to 2008's Iron Man and forward. Because, like, that just shook the movie industry. The Russo brothers and their directing, and ev- and everyone who's worked on Marvel projects, all their projects never flop. And they're always released very strong. Like so very seeing, soon. yeah. So seeing Black Widow being pushed back, it it's sad. And I was I was I personally was really excited <laughs> for Black Widow because it has Taskmaster. And Taskmaster is one of my favorite villains from I, Marvel. <laughs> Joe, you you are absolutely like in my mind now because I adore Taskmaster. Yeah, Taskmaster. I, Love for those of you who don't know, he is able to mimic anybody's combat style. And if you don't, if you guys don't know much about Black Widow, she's all about hand-to-hand combat and you know close, close up, close combat. Mm-hmm. So I feel like me being, uh, I uh, me being into stage combat the way that I am, I feel like that movie was is going to be full of amazing stage combat and amazing stunts that are just going to blow my mind away. Okay, well, let's move on from Marvel. And as we've already said, uh, Mulan has been pushed back. It was supposed to... We, I would have already seen Mulan at this point. We all would have already seen Mulan. It was supposed to release yep. on March 27th. Now we're yes. looking at a July 24th uh, release date, which it's still a pretty good release date for it, but I don't think it's going to hit that date. Originally, yeah. I said it was supposed to release in August. I was wrong. It is July. That's even worse. It is not going to hit that date. And Mm -mm. if it does, I don't think it's going to perform to the way Disney wants it to. Yeah. 
because everyone is currently on a stay in shelter until the 30th of the 1st. But that's only for certain places. Mm -hmm. Most of America is not under that. And so it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. Very um, true. I really don't think it's going to hit that date, but we'll see. Maybe it will. If it does hit that date, we're going to be in the theater, masks and gloves. We're going to go see that movie. <laughs> because yeah. if theaters are open at that point, I, I'm going to have such withdrawals. I'm just going to have to go no matter what. Yeah. Um, but so another big Disney summer film was the Jungle Cruise had been delayed to 2021. Mm. Yeah, I was looking forward to that one. That one seemed like a really, really paint by numbers sort of film where you know exactly what you're getting, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's sad to see that go into next year. However, that's a good date for it. June 20th, right in the middle of summer. That is a good. Yeah thing for it um so now we're looking at pixar soul still set for june 20th hasn't yeah. been moved has not been touched that film is not releasing on june 20th there's no way no we it's are it's unless almost, it's gonna be a disney plus release i don't think so because onward i get it onward i understand yeah. why they did that it's already been in theaters a week and a half You've already done that. You can't do another re-release of it. Might as well just cut your losses, put it for purchase, and then put it on Disney+. Plus, Plus, I'm going to be honest, Onward, while I adore that film, it's not up to the same caliber as some of Pixar's other films. Okay, it sure. wouldn't be in that same category as Coco, Inside Out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It just isn't, which is sad to say, but it's what it is. Now, Soul, yeah. Pixar Soul, it looks to be in that caliber. Everything about it, just every trailer I've seen, it just oozes that Pixar charm, that quality. Mm -hmm. And I just do not see them. It's kind of like it's Pixar's Black Widow. It's the mm -hmm. same sort of conversation. You cannot put Black Widow or Soul on Strand of Disney Plus unless you have no other choice. Mm, I see. But we'll see how that goes. I mean, I don't know everything that's going on in the back. I don't know what Bob mm. Iger's thinking. However, yeah. I do know what Bob Iger has said. And Bob Iger says, according to Deadline, Bob Iger says, a few more movies might be going to Disney Plus after Artemis fell. Now, that sounds really big. That sounds big. That sounds like Bob Iger saying, hey, we're considering putting Mulan and Black Widow yeah. on Disney Plus. I don't think yeah. that's what's happening. That is not what's happening. Because what you have to remember is they bought Fox. Mm -hmm. So all Fox movies are their movies. Yeah, so they so like, And you also have to remember, I didn't mention it earlier, but New Mutants was also delayed for the 500th time. <laughs> we were supposed to see New Mutants like four years ago. That yeah, was to come I out remember 2016. that. That was ridiculous. But New Mutants is one I could very much seeing, maybe not going on to Disney Plus, but going on to streaming services in general. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like the type of movie that they would want on Disney Plus. It's a very, it's I believe it's an R-rated film at this point. I don't know if they edited it out to make it PG-13, but the whole hook for that film was it was going to be an R-rated X-Men movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now it's kind of, it's a little bit of limbo with how all this stuff is going down, but we'll see how that goes. 
But we also have to think about the other Fox films. Like there's this horror film called Antlers that was mm-hmm. delayed. There is uh there's a few more films. I don't have them off the top of my head. But those I could very easily see them pumping them out on the streaming services. Yeah. Um, because I don't think they want to do that with their big tent poles, but they do have a few smaller films that they could do that too. But we'll see how that goes. Every morning yeah. I wake up just I, I really I'm just like, okay, what the fuck is happening today? Like what is going to happen? Because yeah, basically. it's been such a ride watching this all unfold where everything yeah. that I know, because you know me, I have my finger on the pulse with the mm-hmm. uh, movie and gaming industries, and yes. I can usually predict exactly what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have an idea. I was, I made a prediction about Artemis Fowl going to Disney+. Plus. That just was natural to me. But a lot of this stuff, I have no idea. I would have never been able to tell you that Sony was just going to drop the dual sense on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, I would never have been able to tell you that Bob Iger would just say, hey, you know, we're considering putting more on Disney+. Plus." Everything, everything's up for bat now. Like, you have no yeah. idea what's going to happen. Um, it surely is a crazy time for the movie and gaming. It is absolutely ridiculous. And it's been an absolute blast to watch. And it's going to be an absolute blast to talk about if we keep doing this. Oh, yeah. Like, this was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing this. Yeah. Okay, but so let's move on. We're going a little bit over the time that I wanted to. We're already at an hour. So Oof. let's try to get this stuff going real quick. We just have right. a few more segments we want to go through. Now, this next segment, we're going to do our weekly gaming spotlight. So mm. each and every week that we decide to put out a podcast, we are going to have a a theme. Um, it could be horror. It could be games that make you excited. It's going to be a theme of that we have to find a specific game to fulfill that theme for. So this this week's theme was junk food game. And by junk food game, what I mean is it's a game that you can take in a time like quarantine and just sit there and play, not having to think about it. Think of a big open world checklist game that just you're just taking off the boxes. You're clearing everything out. That's the type of game I'm talking about. It's a really comforting, just natural sort of junk food game. And so we each made our picks. I'm going to start out with my pick, if you don't mind, Johnny. Um, so as I told you before, I, uh, I got the platinum for Spider-Man. And yes. that really got me in an itch to platinum stuff. So I decided to bust out a game I have not played in such a long time, Infamous Second Son. Yeah. So I decided to play that for a little while. And what I did originally is I got into the game. I went through the narrative stuff to a certain point. But once the game opened up, the game opens up into this world of Seattle. It's a big open world with districts being uh, oppressed by this government sort of agency sort of thing. And there's just a whole checklist of things to do within each district. So for the first, I think I got a total of, uh, what was it, 18 hours of playtime from the game. So for the first six hours of the game, I was just doing that. And it was such a comforting sort of thing. Like It was a really fun time to just go around using these superpowers and just having a fun time. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. And then... I went through the narrative stuff. I decided, okay, I 100% of the game. Like, I 100%ed everything before I even 
started on all the narrative stuff. Then I went through the story. The story takes another like seven hours, eight hours. I was really... <clears throat> what got me was the gameplay. The gameplay was so much fun. Yeah. However, everything around it wasn't that interesting. Uh, the characters, I really enjoy the design. I really enjoy the character aesthetics. I, th This game is fucking gorgeous. This is a uh, this game released in what twenty fourteen. It's a six year old game. That's a beautiful game. It really is. But its characters are so one note. They're so two dimensional. They are introduced, and that's all you get from the characters. They're the same exact character the entire way through. Um, and this game also really shows its age. It really shows that hey, you know what? This is a PS four launch title. Because they did their best to showcase everything that made the PS4 unique. They really showed a lot of, you know, pix uh, a, lot of, a lot of pixelation. A lot of effects. A lot of really bombastic sort of explosions. It tried to show, hey, this is the power of the PS4. This is what you're getting. But it <laughs> also fell into that little bit, of a, little bit of a hole where developers were trying to use a touchpad but they overused it in ways that really felt intrusive and took me out of the game. Like every five minutes, you're going to have to press that touchpad. And it's just really not interesting the way they have you do it. You're not really doing anything interesting with it. The perfect way to implement a touchpad is to bring up a map. That's the perfect way to do it and, and be yeah. able to navigate the map like that. I love games that do that. I think Spider-Man did that. I'm not quite yes, sure. Did. Red Dead Redemption does it. And I know these are all games that came out five years after Infamous. <laughs> Infamous yeah. was still in that point where they were the showcase game for the PlayStation. Yeah. Um, and I get that. But it still shows it, it shows its age so much um, with that. But overall, I had a really good time with it. I'm almost to the platinum with that game. I just need to do a few more things. I need to do a, I did an evil playthrough. And let me talk about that real quick. The evil playthrough really didn't stick with me because throughout the entire game your character delson Rowe, his whole purpose is to save his people is to save his family his friends yeah. and then he never really does anything evil sure you kill people if you choose to just go around killing civilians but that's something every single game has available mm -hmm. i could go into Assassin's creed odyssey right now and just kill a bunch of people and i'm my character still considered good mm -hmm. there's Very nothing true in that game's evil storyline that really showed had me feel any sense of, oh my god, this guy is evil. And then at the very end, the very end, there's this thing that happens that's the most fucked up thing you could think of, and it just feels so out of place with the rest of the game and how the game's character has been portrayed. <laughs> so, I have a very love-hate relationship with this game. But, uh, Enough about that. I believe your game you chose was very similar to this game, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a um yeah, it's one that you planted actually platted earlier this week. I chose mm -hmm. Spider Man PS4. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just it's not it's actually not that long of a junk food game if you really commit to 100%ing it right away. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if you <laughs> mess up and go, it could last. A few hours but it gets dull if you play that way 
Yeah, which I mean, but, I'm going to be honest with you, really does get incredibly dull if you do yeah. it like that. Yeah, but if you play through the game normally, you have a good, I want to say like seven to eight hours of gameplay. Okay. Now, is that including narrative? I believe it's a little bit longer with the narrative, though, isn't it? Is it? Probably. Yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure. But, yeah. Spider-Man, for me, was just... It was a big game for me, because, well, my favorite superhero was Spider-Man. And I've been uh, I've been waiting for a good Spider-Man open-world game. And, you know, I love... It's not only that he's my favorite superhero, it's just the mechanics of swinging around in that game... They feel so good. And the fighting style, it's a lot like like the Batman games. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Um, but it, feel, it feels more fast-paced than the Batman game. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, absolutely. I went and played uh, some Arkham Origins a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man is incredibly more fast-paced and fluid than that game. The Arkham games have this very... Not slow, but they have a certain pace about them. They're very brutal in that and spider-man is very much more about swinging around jumping around being as fast as you can to combo all these different tools you have mm-hmm. yeah and i feel like i feel like that type of gameplay it amplifies the view of the open worldness of it and the being able to just get lost in the game you know completing all these side quests and uh, collecting all these items, which the collectibles... To me, the collectibles were very entertaining to get. Mm-hmm. Like, the backpacks, they're very... If you're if you're a fan, like I am, then, like, each one of those collectibles, like, they had some meaning, they had some depth into the world of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And going on from that, the plot of the game, it's... It, I enjoyed the plot more than I actually thought I would in the first place. Because you're set against this man that came out of nowhere, Mr. Negative. And Peter Parker's world is just turned upside down. And it's like he's... This is a Peter Parker that's been Spider-Man for, I believe, six years? Uh, It's been a uh, little bit of time, yes. Yeah. And, you know, and he's just this new villain that's introduced just turns his world upside down and it you could see that he has to go to places that he would never thought he would have to go to in order to without spoiling too much of the game um oh it's a it's a two-year-old game at this point (laughs) (laughs) okay well as you know um dr octopus is in the game and at first he's not your enemy he's your friend and I believe like that the plot story of Peter Parker and Doctor Octavius was much more entertaining than the Mister Negative plotline. See, and that's when I first played that game. I got that game on launch and I sped through it. And this narrative, I'm gonna be honest, it's one of my favorite Spider-Man narratives that mm-hmm. I've ever had the chance to experience. It really nails not only Spider-Man and how he operates however it also really gives you a in-depth peter parker it's a very dual storyline which is yeah. exactly what spider-man's character is all about it's all about that duality of being this incredible person with such responsibilities while also being someone who has more mundane responsibilities mm-hmm. and yeah. i feel that 
this game has such amazing moments that there's a very particular moment which I won't spoil because that's a that that, that is the moment <laughs> of the game. Yeah. Um towards the end. And that was just one of the best moments that really show that duality between Peter Parker and Spider-Man and mm-hmm. how his two worlds kind of collide and really throw him some really big moral questions. Yeah. And he has he has to make a really a really mature decision, a really big like a big boy decision as I want to say. Yeah, big boy. Big. Yeah, but Spider-Man was definitely one of the best games of that year. Mm-hmm. Um but that was a very stacked year for games. Uh, that yeah. was what Red Dead Redemption 2, that was yeah. God of War. Yeah. Everything was that year. Yeah. Um okay, so that is our weekly gaming spotlight for junk food game. Um, do you have anything else to say on any of those two games? Uh, no, I don't think okay. so. Okay, so next week's theme. I probably should have thought of a theme for next week. Um, let's do... Uh, indie games. Indie let's game. bring a okay. spotlight in indie game next right. week. Okay, so that's something we will think about. So cool. for our very last segment of the week let's talk about what film so each week we're going to choose a film for us each to watch and then we'll talk about it in the next episode okay so johnny this week i will let you choose the film okay let's see if only i thought of this crap hmm just for those who don't know we were very unprepared for this (laughs) however we're very excited to see just exactly how we can make this podcast something unique, something that really speaks to who we are as consumers of film and games. This is a podcast that hopefully will evolve as we get more experience in this. And we are very much, hey, you know what? I'm sitting here in Fresno. He's sitting there somewhere five hours away. And we have no experience with any of this. We have no we have a computer, we have microphones, and nothing else other than our absolute passion for the stuff we're talking about. I don't think there's a single thing that we've talked about today that we do not have some sort of investment in, um, that we do not see ourselves actively looking into. I don't think that we will ever force ourselves to talk about something that we have no interest in, because there's just no point in that. I'm not going to sit here and talk about um some Warhammer game because that's just not what I enjoy. Um John I don't think Johnny's gonna sit here and talk about I don't know what Johnny doesn't like, but uh, whatever he doesn't like. Yeah. So Please. this this podcast is hopefully going to be us learning. And you're gonna learn alongside us. You're going whoever the two people who are going to listen to this all two of you. I know there's going to be at least two of you. Maybe three. We'll see. Um, but you're going to be learning alongside us. Because as we go, we're going to change our minds on things. We're not going to like having some things certain ways. But hopefully, we'll be able to get into a groove at some point. Okay, anyway, Johnny. Okay. I've stalled for you for a little bit. So what do you got? I have something. So this is a movie that came out. A while ago. Mm. I was thinking we could watch V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta. Now, have you ever seen that movie? 
Yes, I have. You have. I've seen it okay. once for a while ago, and I remember some of it. So I have never re- watched that movie. However, I have read that book. I think I got the edition with the uh, mask, remember? Yes, I, I remember that. You did. You got the guy. Uh, is it a visual book. novel? It's the visual it, novel, right? It, it's a uh, it's a big graphic novel. So yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a very big one. I probably have it around here somewhere. I don't know where that is, but that sounds like an absolute plan. So next week... Awesome. We will be doing our weekly gaming spotlight on an indie game. Mm-hmm. We'll each bring one to the table. And then we will be talking about V for Vendetta. Now, awesome. I'm going to throw Johnny a curveball right here before we go. So next week we will have our episode. We have not decided a specific day in which we will be doing our weekly podcast. However, that's something we will be discussing soon. Because it seems this seems to be something that we really enjoy doing. So yeah. I think we're going to be doing this more in the future. But I'm also going to throw Johnny a curveball sometime this week before that uh, weekly uh, podcast. I'm thinking out we might be doing a podcast about my impressions of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Because that oh, is okay. finally coming out this week. And yeah. me and Johnny will talk about it. I don't think Johnny's going to end up playing that game. Correct me Maybe if not. I'm wrong. We'll see. I may. You may. Just, uh, just to see what's going on. Because I've played... I haven't played much Final Fantasy games. I need to get into Final Fantasy. Because I enjoy the franchise, and I enjoy, like, from what I've heard from the franchise, it's a very, it's a franchise I would like to get into. I just haven't had the time or motive to do it. <laughs> I mean, Final Fantasy is a very big series. That, yeah. that, that is on the, probably even higher than Resident Evil on the video game legacy list. Yeah. So that's a very big thing we're kind of tackling here. But so... Hopefully before, but hopefully maybe Sunday, Saturday-ish, mm-hmm. we will have a uh, podcast up about impressions about Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, we'll see what goes on there. Thank you to anybody who is watching this. We really do appreciate yes. it. Thank you so much. It's awesome. This yeah. is a new thing we're trying out, especially me. I mean, I haven't done really any um, podcasts or YouTube reviews or anything like that. So... This is completely new for me, and I hope you guys enjoy it a lot. And I really do, too. I know there are things that we've kind of meandered on. However, you know what? We'll fix it in the next episode. You guys are going to be really annoyed because we're going to be doing a lot of changes as we go. But you know what? That's how we got to do it. Okay, Mm -hmm. Johnny, any last uh, things you'd like to talk about before we take off for the day? Um... If you guys want to, follow me on Twitter at underscore heyitsjohnny underscore... Oh shit, Johnny plugging himself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know what? If you're not making moves, you're standing still. Yep. As my as Gary Witta says. Okay, so we will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you very much. We hope you have yourselves a fantastic day. Bye-bye.